Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, your 950 KJR Sports Headlines. All right, here we go. Headlines brought to you, of course, by our friends and buddies. Goodies and glass. It's always 420 at Buddies, baby. Jesus Christ, Jackson. <laughs> Justin Robbins from Kirkland, the former Husky wide receiver. Remember him? Yeah. Justin Robbins has won the Mariner Red Sox tickets for tonight, courtesy of the Mariners. Text in your first and last name, city you're from, email to 49451 right now. We'll draw one more winner at 5 o'clock tonight. Speaking of baseball, uh, Jeff Passon reporting the Mariners will host the All-Star Game at T-Mobile Park in 2023. Press conference with the commissioner Thursday to announce that. Big college football news. Oregon linebacker Justin Flo will miss the remainder of the season with a foot injury. Really? How about that? You don't say. Husky Honks going right now on 950 KJR. from our Honkville studios of Sports Radio 950 KJR. This is the Coors Light Honks. Frost brewed Coors Light. Keeping Seattle chill. Make the play! Brought to you by your Northwest Chevy dealers. It's time for the Honks on your home for the Huskies. Sports Radio 950. Here come the dogs. KJR. All right, dog fans, we are back. The Husky Honks, of course, is on the air talking Husky football for the next hour right here on 950KJR. Dave Softy Mahler is my name, flanked by former coach Dick Baird, former running back Greg Lewis, and former tight end Cam Cleland. As, uh, guys, this would normally be the time of the show where we would have some fun, maybe needle each other, uh, throw a few jokes out there, bust each other's chops, all that stuff that comes along with hanging out as dog fans, but I I got to be honest with you, man. I'm not in much of a mood for that right now. This has been an absolute disaster of a football season so far for UW. The narrative has changed overnight, it seems like. Instead of talking about making a run at maybe a Pac-12 North championship and getting to a big bowl game, uh, we're talking about firing coaches and uh, benching players and what in the absolute hell is happening over on Montlake. So uh, I just want to go around the room and get your thoughts, guys, from 35,000 feet, whatever's on your mind regarding Husky football you can have at it take the uh, take the mic and, and 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 start there and greg lewis let's start with you uh you uh <laughs> you got the guinea pig status you can step up and be the first one man because i know you're just as disappointed and disgusted as anybody is watching this so i'm a husky a former husky football player as you mentioned in the opening uh i'm also a former administrator i'm also uh a, a radio personality, a TV guy, but first and foremost, I'm a Husky fan. Yep. And as a Husky football fan, it's been, you know, a tough two weeks. It's been, uh, you know, it hasn't been fun, like you said. And for me, what I'd like to see is this team realize that they are a talented group. Coming into this season, there were reasons that this group was projected to compete for the Pac-12 North uh, championship, and also specifically, as you mentioned, offensive line being projected as being one of the best in the country uh, because they have talent. Yeah. And what I'd like to see is somehow the coaches, and it's 
the coach's responsibility, and I think Jimmy Lake said that, it's their responsibility to get these guys ready to play. It's their responsibility to put them in a position to be successful. And it's their responsibility to get the best out of the players. Now, you may make an argument that a player or two may not have had great uh, first couple of games, but this is a collective good unit, a good football team from the player standpoint. Mm. So it's on the mm. guys who – draw out the plays, who prepare the practice plans, and who create the environment to get these guys ready to play on Saturday. Yeah, well, uh, Dick, Greg mentioned a couple times there that this team's good, that they've got talent. Well, maybe they don't. Maybe they're not as good as we thought they were. Maybe this offensive line was overhyped uh, by people over the offseason. How, how, how could we have been, at least for the first couple of games, we talked about this on Saturday's postgame show, so wrong about this team? We, we spent all offseason long talking about the offensive line, the, the uh, stable of running backs, and so far their offensive line in this group of running backs looks the exact opposite of what we thought they would be. Uh, you know, I, I would rather address the psychology of losing, which I think is starting to wear on uh, the Husky fans and the Husky players. Yep. But, uh, you know, realistically, we went into a wonderful environment. And, you know, you guys... You guys were there with me. I mean, that's an incredible stadium, and, and they, they really understand football. And, and really, uh, you know, we went in there, and uh, we took a team with a whole bunch of kids that had never played on the road. You know, honestly, I mean, you know, when we have 75 freshmen and redshirt freshmen, a lot of those guys are in the depth and they had never been in a road game. So uh, to go in there and see that environment uh, and not and lose contact for a while. But then they had a chance coming down the stretch. They they just couldn't make the plays to get themselves back in the game. Uh, They were only two scores out. But I, I think I write most of that off to uh, how immature the team is in terms of experience and thing. But, you know, it doesn't make any difference. you got to win the next game. That's what it's all about right now, and I think that's the mm. the attitude of all the people in the program. Uh, you got to put it all together and see if you can go. You can't change the score. So, you know, it is what it is, and, uh, you know, I am, I'm optimistic that uh, they're going to write this ship, and it's going to be a long struggle the whole season, but, you know, we we got a lot to play for. We're still in first place in the North, <laughs> so uh, don't worry about it. You know, we, you know, we just got to win this one and, yeah. and get ready for our league. You know, I, I hope Cam Cleveland one day before I leave this rock that I can find myself to be as positive as my friend Dick Baird. I don't know how you do it. It, it is it is a talent. I am envious uh, of your approach to life, and I, I I guess I'm just the miserable bastard in the room here because I, I can't I can't <laughs> think I can't think at all like my friend Coach Baird. But I got a response to that. But Cam, go ahead, jump in, give dog fans your thoughts on what's happening on Montlake, pal. Okay, I got two perspectives. I'm going to give you the first perspective, kind of like what Greg said, Greg said as the fan and uh, somebody that calls games and is up there watching these guys. As a fan, it hurts. And as a former player, it hurts to be able to watch what these guys are going through and watch the game and be on the road. And Coach Baird is spot on when they talk about an environment that I saw that was a spectacle. It was one of the greatest things that I've I've seen in college football to be able to go on the road and watch something like that and enjoy a moment, even though it didn't turn out great. But what a memory, not only for these players, for the coaches and for everybody that was there and even the fans to see what it's like to be in a big time college mindset in a town and experience that kind of just feel. Now, here's the player's perspective. 
of a guy that's been in all those wars and spent a time from age 14 to age 31 playing football and feel it and know what it's like to sit in that room and know what it's like to feel like you're under duress but can't figure it out. These guys are working their backsides off. Do they want to look like crap? No. Do they want to figure this out? Yes. I've been in that locker room. I've seen the barbs. I've seen everybody throw them at you. And right now, it's them versus everybody else. And that's kind of how the mindset's going to be because they're in one person outside that locker room you want to hear or trust. Yeah. And there's not one coach that's looking at it It's going to care what uh, Billy says from left field or their aunt and uncle that, that chimes in from the other side of the country. They are going to have to sit, uh, not only stick together, fight through it together, because just like everything, we play football for a season for a reason. See, I'm a rhymer, too. I got a little bit of that. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. Because we play a full season, and this game and this season is not over. It's just not. So as much as everybody wants to be in wine and have a bunch of RBF faces walking around on their daily thing, feel sorry and, and complain. You go sit, no problem. Complain all you want. Look at it. But it's not going to take those guys down. It's not going to take those coaches down unless unless at some sort of end, the big people make those decisions. I'm not here to make that decision. But I'll tell you what, watching college football and watching Huskies, everybody and their mother knows that this team has underachieved and they have to right the ship. Right. Well, I think there's a couple things going on right now that are clear as day. Uh, I, I do think the offensive line is better than what they've shown in the first two games of the year. I do think they are underachieving. I think the lack of offense is having a negative impact on the defense. I think we saw that in the second half of that game on Saturday. I also think that there's portions of this team that uh, are problematic. I think they're undisciplined, uh, and we saw that in the game on Saturday. I mean, guys, you open the damn game with a delay. You've had that play called for days, and you call on the yeah, sideline. Hey, Dave, Dave, okay. Dave, let me let me tell you what happened on that play. Uh, the officials didn't mark the ball correctly, so Washington had asked to have it on this hash they put over there. They were waiting for the deal. This was on the officials. By the time it got to it, yeah. there was a delay of the okay. game. So okay. There, okay. there was a legitimate reason. Well, okay, that's fine. If you want to take that one, go ahead. And then explain to me how Dom Hampton gets called for a taunting penalty down 21-10 when you get a big stop on defense. Yeah, well, You've got some momentum. And all, of a sudden, all of a sudden, hang on a second. All of a sudden, you got a guy talking smack. What are you doing talking smack? You lost to Montana. The week before, you're down 21 to 10 to a middle of the road Big Ten East team, and you're talking smack in a very important part of the game. How about Julius Belo getting a personal foul uh, on the first drive of the game, for God's sakes, that set you back? So, Dick, if it was one thing like that, I would say you're right, whatever, you just shove it aside, you move on, but. It's alarming to me, guys, when I see things like this. And let's let, let let's be honest about what else is going on now at Washington. Either A, something changes with this offense, or B, there's going to be changes to either A, the personnel that you're using on offense, or B, the coaching staff that is coaching these guys. Because what's happening right now, Cam, on offense cannot continue. There is no question about that. Oh, well, I have an answer for the Dominique Hampton thing and, and all those things is that when you cannot score points or when you're under duress in a mindset that every play is like God's greatest creation, like you have to get to the point where, oh my God, every mistake, everything is magnified. Those plays happen across college football every single time all over the place. The fact is when you score 3.7 points, those plays are massively critical. Yeah. 
because in a situation like that, you can't make up for it. Just go ahead and watch our opponent play Memphis last week that we have coming in. 50 to 40. Good God, they had crap like that all over the place. Nobody played any defense. You wouldn't be talking about it if it was going to be about complaining about offense. So from here on moving forward, I'm not in that offensive room. I'm not seeing it. But here's one thing I do know after watching the game is that right now, we're not a running football team. Mm. You run for 50 and 65 yards, you're a passing football team. And I'm not in that meeting room. So if they're going to make those adjustments and move forward with it and they want to change and they want to do that, I do know the definition of insanity. It's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And we can all see it. We might know it. And if they're going to make those adjustments and Coach Donovan wants to make those adjustments, that's fine because I don't have to worry about it. But I can witness it and we can all watch it and see how it ends up turning out depending on the next week and week on and week out with the next opponent. I've had a ton of people uh, reach out to me about, Greg, shouldn't we play Sean McGrew? Or what about Kamari Pleasant? These two running backs aren't getting it done. And I, for one, have been watching the football game, and I don't think it's a running back problem. And typically I'm the first one to always give credit to the offensive line when a running back has success. And controversially or vice versa, I think you have to take some a look at the offensive line when the running game is really struggling. And I can see some things in the blocking schemes that didn't work well this past week. Yeah. Um, Michigan loaded up the box. They had guys that were, you know, entrenched in. They went heavy a lot on defense, and we kept running right at it. We kept running right at it. We didn't cut off the backside well enough. We didn't stretch the defense and move those linebackers out of there. Those linebackers were set and entrenched in their stance and running downhill, making tackles. You got to get those guys out of the box by doing what? We talked about speed option before the game, how how effectively we ran that when I was there. We talked about screenplays, getting those linebackers going laterally, getting them out of the box. We haven't done enough of those things. I'm not hear the you know critique the game plan but what i'm saying is is you got to make the defense play the whole field when they're anchored in and they're impacting your run game to the tune of 50 and 40 some odd yards a game you got to get those linebackers moved out of there you got to get the backside guys cut off because the cutback is the best thing that ever happens on a football play that running back's able to come out the back door and that's when he finds the big yards and i would say this and i i understand guys uh that we don't know what's happening behind closed doors we have no idea who's checking out of what what was called here what was called there you know he would always talk about how uh criticizing an offensive coordinator is so hard to do because Mm -hmm. you don't know what was called and who was supposed to execute what. But I will critique the game plan. You know why? They've scored 17 points in two games. I mean, guys, come on. This is 2021. You should get 28, 30 points a game just by waking up in the morning for crying out loud. So what is wrong with this offense, Dick? Let's just get to the root of the problem. What is wrong? And don't tell me the offensive line hasn't played well. We know that. Why are they not playing well? What is the root reason the genesis for why this offense has been so putrid in the first eight quarters of the year. Why? We haven't scored enough. Thank you. Greg, your thoughts. <laughs> okay. You want to jump into that more? No, Go ahead. No, that, that's, well, but why? Why? Okay, well, maybe you have to diversify it more, but there, it's pretty obvious that uh, we went in shorthanded at the wide receiver position. So a lot of the stuff that you had planned during camp, all of a sudden you have some a couple of injuries to kids, and now we're – you know, of the top four receivers, we have one. And now 
uh, hopefully we're going to get some of those kids back. And I don't know how much that's going to affect the run game. Yeah. But the the run game will develop. And, and I'll tell you what, that was a stout defense we just went against. There's no yeah. question Michigan knows how to, how to get down in the trenches and play dirty football. That's what they're all about. Which I thought we were about that, too. Yeah, well. That's the uh, disappointing well, thing. Well, what, was a, what was your basis of thinking that? Because they got five returning starters on their offensive line. No, they line. don't. No, yes, they, don't. they do. They're, They're starting a freshman dick. at left And that was their decision to not use that guy. They had all well, five guys uh, back saying, from last a, year, and they chose Julius Belo over MJ Ali, who oh. you would think the reason why the guy's playing Cam is because the guy's a better player, right? Well, let me let me explain schematically what I've seen, what how offense works from what I've seen so far versus John Donovan. Schematically, he likes to run the football first. What does the run, and Greg can vouch for this, running the football sets up teams to be able to play action pass next that's how this goes run the football now we bring linebackers now we bring safeties down and then what do we do we disguise our pa- our run game with play action what does play action mean for all of you out there it means we're going to fake the run and then throw a pass that's called play actions because we have to now because teams know hey we're running the football really well so they're going to stuff the run and then we take play action after the top after play action then goes quick game quick game is five three-step drops ball out quick get the ball out of your hands and then we go long deep balls in those progression well here's the thing if you cannot run the football to set up play action play action doesn't work and then quick game doesn't work and then you can't get deep balls because like what coach baird said you don't have a deep threat and finally we did we had terrell Bynum was i mean for a kid that didn't maybe not as 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 uh healthy as you would have expected he played very, very well. And your biggest threat going into that game yeah. was Kate Otten. Your best pass prior to that game were hitches on the outside out of quick game. So all of everything that we're talking about had John Donovan and exactly what Coach Lake wanted to do is run the football. 50 yards, 65 yards is not setting up the rest of the offense. Yeah, well, Jimmy Lake said Monday, Greg, that this has to change. It has to change fast. So I I think he gets the sense of urgency as well. And if it continues, then you mentioned the definition of insanity, Cam. Obviously, if this continues, then they're going to try something new. Yeah, and uh, you know, Cam mentioned something that I think I saw in the second half where Michigan, regardless of what we were doing, they were entrenched in stopping the run. They stayed in their run and their tough fronts. And so what we did do in the second half is we went to the quick game. We kind of skipped over a step because we weren't going to be able to play action that well, but we went to the quick game, and we got a little bit of momentum going. We were throwing quick passes, hitches, those kinds of things. And we moved the ball a little bit, got the ball downfield, and then that opened up the long throw when Terrell Bynum caught the long touch. Touchdown. So, you know, Cam's right about how this progression works. The problem is, is the foundational piece of that is the run game. And if you're not consistent with the run game, mm-hmm. all of those other things are not going to work. And now you got to make some changes. And again, open it up a little bit, spread the field a little bit. You got to spread the field. You got, that's what college football has become. No one keeps the ball in the box anymore. They spread defenses out because those guys are too good at athletes now. Schematically, what Michigan had their greatest success of on defense was unblocked edge rushers, not in the pass, but in the run. If you look at uh, all the read zones we we run, it's a slower developing play where the back waits for the quarterback to ride him, and they were bringing edge guys off, and those guys were making most of the, the plays. So the offensive line 
was concentrating on the interior mm-hmm. guys of getting the push, and they were giving us great edge pressure. And and you go back and look, and all the key plays, the third and fourth down that we didn't get, were all made tackles by oh. by a crash off the edge. So yeah. they'll correct those kinds of things. I think the the bigger picture is that uh, we have the a nucleus of a really good. Uh, offensive line, and they they will be fine as the season progresses. But you know we're in an early stage, and remember this is a long season. And we win this game, this next game is all we got control of, and that sets us up for our league opener against Cal. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You know, talking about and talking about the offensive line, too, and this is something I, I really want to hear from Greg, somebody that's been in the position at a high level and understanding it, is that the running backs with Richard Newton and then watching Cam Davis and everybody's looking for Sean McGrew. And I think I think I've seen like Sean McGrew needs to get more involved. Well, the more I watch these running backs, I see them very tentative. And Greg can speak to this as much as anybody. When an offensive line is not giving you a crease, I see feels like watching it. These running backs cannot get any color. So when they see anything in the gap, their feet are pitter-pattery. They're not certain because they have flashes in their gaps. And from a running back perspective, Greg, if I could get you to chime in to see that, from watching it, they don't look like they feel where the space is because it's not clean to them. And then the pockets and the holes aren't quite there. And so they're uncomfortable, and they're not certain where they're hitting the hole. Dick and I talked about this actually during the game, and it was interesting because we have running backs that are downhill guys, guys who like to plant the foot, go get upfield, get yards, run hard, and that kind of thing. Uh, And we noticed that they were a little tentative. They were a little hesitant, and that's because you are not seeing any push or gap or separation from the original line of scrimmage. There are guys, you're seeing the opposite color shirt right in front of you when you get the handoff, and there's no real indication on where you should go. Now, if the line gets some movement in one direction, you can at least flow that way and look for cutback lanes. But right now, they're not seeing any movement, they're not seeing any flow, and they're seeing the opposite color when they get the handoff, and that slows them down. Well, I guess the question would be then, if if they're not getting that push now – why do we think they'll get that push later in the year? Why Why all of a sudden will that just show up? And if it shows up miraculously later in the year, where has it been the last couple of games against Montana? players get better, Dave. And Michigan. players get better. Sometimes you got to have experience. None of those guys, like Coach Baird said, had to had know what it's like to play in Michigan. Some of those guys had never been in that environment. They didn't even had any clue. You know how hard it is to go on the road and play in college football? Some fans are like, well, you just show up and play. B.S., 
It is hard, and those guys need to know what it's like. Now Dylan Morris is the first time he's ever been in a fight on the road to be able to feel that in that kind of – he's never experienced that to be able to see it. Now he's got it in his holster. You don't become good at football by waking up and saying, I'm good at football. You have to experience it. You have to play in it. And veteran experience also okay. translate in okay. college football. It's not just the NFL. Then I would just say this then. Then we did overhype the group. If, if you guys are telling me that these guys needed that experience at Michigan and they needed to go out and see what that was like and they need to take some steps forward, then they weren't worth the hype of being a top 10 offensive line in the country, well, at least I, not I, early. But I think from a talent perspective, you can see size, strength, athleticism, quickness, and you can see those things and say that this op- this individual has the opportunity to be a good player based on that. Yes, he still has to get better and do it. But I will add into that fact the fact that you got to give him blocking schemes that they have confidence in mm-hmm. as well. And you're not seeing that yet. I'm not necessarily seeing that. Okay. I, there are some things that they can do differently in their blocking schemes in order to get a little more room for the running back. Well, let's let's come back and talk more about what you guys would do to kind of maybe push this thing along. And then the other side, obviously, of the defense. I mean, you had a one-dimensional offense on Saturday, and it didn't matter at all. They, they shoved the ball down your throat at will in this game. So Cam Cleveland, Greg Lewis, Dick Baird, uh, I'm Softy. The Husky Honks continue next right here on 950 KJS All-in-One. Now back to the Coors Light Honks. Frost Brewed Coors Light. Keeping Seattle chill. Brought to you by your Northwest Chevy dealers. On your home for the Huskies, Sports Radio 950, KJR. All right, dog fans, we are back. Husky Honks continue right here on 950 KJR. John Wilner, by the way, will join us at uh, 5 o'clock tonight, courtesy of our friends at simplyseattle.com, and talk about the the first firing in the Pac-12. Only took two weeks, and Clay Helton, after six years and two games, is out the door as the head coach at USC. We can chat about that with you guys as well, if uh, if time permits. But we ended last segment, guys, talking about the offense and, and what can just be done to start kind of kick-starting this thing. You mentioned schemes. You want to see some different run schemes. Mm -hmm. If you were in charge of the world, which you should be, by the way, I'd vote (laughs) for you. I would vote for you to be in charge of the world. What would Greg Lewis, what would Cam Cleland, what would Dick Baird do to jumpstart this offense? Greg, we'll start with you. Okay, when I look at the running backs that they currently have on the team, they're more of Greg Lewis type of running backs. And what I mean when I say that, they're not the Napoleon Kaufman, Bino Bryant, small guys. The read zone... It wasn't around when I was playing. What we like to run for guys like me was the stretch play. Okay, we would put pressure on the, the the strong side of the ball, running downhill with the offensive linemen stretching and reaching. The backside guys cutting off, and that's what I haven't seen them really running things where you stretch one side, you cut off the backside. And what I would do is put pressure to that strong side, get the run, get the uh, the uh, linebacker moving to that side, moving, getting out of his stance, having to reach, and then I cut back on him. And I would get up into the second level, and once the safety stepped up, I'd run him over, and I score a touchdown every time. By the way, uh, <laughs> and that's a, that's something that I think Richard Newton and Cam Davis would be good at because yeah. they're bigger guys. And then when you bring in the Sean McGrews and guys who may be a little smaller, then let's get them out in that zone. I mean, that that screen game. Yeah. I used to run a 58 screen for 900 yards. Gilby and I were talking about that today when I was driving into work. Uh, Greg, we put you out there on that screen, and you'd run all day because guess what? The linebackers had to move out, try mm-hmm. to get out. You get the linemen in front of them, reaching them, and I'm down the side of the field. So those are some things with that personnel that they have they should try. Cam? 
Okay, schematically, I look at it in in football terms of being in space. So right now you're playing in a little bit of a phone booth in the mindset. So the more I watch football professionally and college-wise, I like to window dress. And that's kind of my mindset of if I'm going to try to run the football and do lots of different things. I like to run one play out of 10 different formations, but I like to shift. I like to move. I like to try to flip, and I like to try to use ghost motion or fly sweep motion to try to shift – also, and get the defense thinking we're running something else. So what does that mean? Open in space. If you're going to run tight eye formation, you are pretty simple. You're pretty simple, and you're setting the defense and letting them kind of set and predicate that they're going to run down this formation. But if I shift and move or if I create space, if I run trips open, if I run trio formation, if I run to be able to fly sweep uh, across and be able to get them to, to dictate whether or not they're going to be in man coverage or if they're going to bump to zone, I want to confuse a defense. I don't want to line up versus somebody and say, I'm better than you when you've proven that four, four times in a row, right. you're not in that scheme. Right. That's a zone move scheme. The other thing, I'd like to see more double teams at the point of attack. Mm. I'd like to see the tackle and tight ends working together on power. I'd like to see the guard and tackles blocking down. I'd like to see a little bit of wrap. You saw how well Michigan wrapped and blocked down and wrapped their backside guard and tackles. I'm not saying you have to do that, but you have to be able to run the ball out of gun. You have to be able to run the ball out of sometimes, and I'm not asking for pistol, but offset. You can't just get an eye and then in read zone and then have crashing defensive ends like Coach Baird said and be stagnant. Moves, shifts, motions are what creates confusion for defense. That would be mine. Coach, well, these guys are good, aren't they? Yeah. Why don't you call John Donovan and tell him that, by the way? Honestly. Uh, you know, uh, I... Uh, I tend to watch the other side of the ball yeah. more. Okay, let's you know? talk about that side. Uh, well, you I, want to talk about well, what happened well, Saturday on that side of the ball? Well, we have not scored on defense yet. Or a turnover. We have not gotten a single interception. We have not gotten a fumble recovery. We have not gotten a sack. We got one sack in two games. I mean, both sides, We. I don't want to just sit here and point the finger at... I don't want to point the finger at all. You guys know me. I, I want... Uh, we've got to fix everything. We got to fix all three phases, and and everybody's got to assume accountability for it. But it's it's it I, going into it. I I think those are great ideas, and I'm and I'm sure that our offensive coaches are are going through all those different things. But you know. I th- it's across the board. I, I want to get better at all three phases. I, I want to tackle better. We missed some tackles. We missed a tackle on the long run that opened the whole game up. The game mm-hmm. the game was well within our reach. It was 10 to nothing at halftime. I mean, we were in that game. We just couldn't get a break. And those breaks come from your defense. And those breaks come from uh, being able to get a Pick six and and score so that builds up your offense. So uh, it's across the board. Yeah. We just got to yeah. see improvement in all three phases. Well, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Okay, let's talk about the number one topic that dog fans are talking about right now. Do we need to make a change at offensive coordinator? This guy's been here for six games. They've scored seventeen points in two games. They've scored ten points in the first half combined in the last four. This is now the third game in a row, going back to the Stanford game where they just got pushed around physically on the line of scrimmage, okay? And there are folks obviously calling for John Donovan's head. 
Let's address that. Greg, let's start with you. Well, I think he needs to do something and try some different things than he's been doing. I mean, they have not worked, and his capacity to make change has to be there. I think Jimmy Lake has to go to him, and I'm sure he has, and said, John, this isn't working. We're not scoring a lot of points. We need to score more points. Like Dick said, we need to score a lot more points on Saturday than we're scoring. You think that's how that message came out, by the way? Well, I'm I'm doing the radio PG version because I don't want you guys beeping me all over the place. Uh, But I'm sure that conversation is happening. He's got to change. Yes, he's got to do something different. I think... The, the, I, don't, I don't think you go and you fire your coordinator in the middle of the year because then who do you replace him with? Who's the other guy on the staff who can call plays and design offense and all of that? Do you have that on your staff? If not, then you've got to go to him and get him to do something different. Yeah, I think, I think that is a question, though, that who is on your staff? And I mentioned this on the postgame show with you guys on Saturday. Um, Mario Cristobal has two former head coaches as his coordinators right now, and Tim DeRider and Joe Moorhead. Chris Peterson had Jeff Tedford in his ear as an advisor in 2016. Who does Jimmy have for a first-year young head coach, Cam, in his ear that is helping him along the way on the staff? Is that a problem? I, if we, you want to talk about head coaching experience, Anybody, there is one. I mean, a seasoned yeah. veteran. Who's that guy? Well, there. I mean, it's got to be Coach Huff. It's got to be in in that point of of who does he going to trust on the offensive side? We've seen. I mean, I don't know how a lot of staffs work. I mean, this is something Coach Baird can can probably talk about. Is that if you're a defensive minded head coach, do you kind of turn the offense over and say, "Hey, I trust what you're doing. You can help build the staff," and then the defensive staff works together. Sometimes when you get an offensive minded head coach, you work together and see how this works. I wanted to make this point coming into this show because this bothered me, and I, I I haven't slept on this one, and this is. This one's kind of getting under my skin a little bit because I really like Coach Lake and I, I respect him tremendously uh, as a man, as a person, and I love him as a coach. I want to give you an example of Husky football very quickly, and I'm going to do this very quick when it comes to coaching expectations. Okay, Jim Owens went three and six and one in his first year. His second year went three and seven. Don James went six and five, five and six. Jim Lambright went seven and four, seven and four. Rick Neuheisel, seven and five. The anomaly, eleven and one. Exceptions don't prove rules, folks. Okay, Steve Sarkeesian, five and seven, year two, seven and six. Chris Peterson, eight and six, seven and six. Chip Kelly, UCLA, three and nine, four and eight. Kyle Winningham, seven and five, eight and five. And then exceptions don't prove rules because David Shaw, 11 and two, 12 and two. I'm walking into this mindset, and we're in two games in. We're not out of the Pac 12 championship game. Certainly, there's a lot of expectations, but my Lord, have I heard things. That just drive me insane. So I'm going to look at this dead in the eye, and I'm going to say, where did the perspective of what it takes to coach an entire season come that everybody's head's on the block after two? Is that changed in in the last time in Husky football history? Because I just read you a ton of stats, and all of a sudden, you would have think Jimmy Lake was making $15 million a year, and we were Alabama. Yeah. Well, I think I think there's a different con- – I think, guys, there's a different – I con- thought that was very well put. Oh, I'm, yeah, yeah. I know you did. Uh, Dick's jumping up and down, pumping his fist. There's a difference between – No, I'm not. There's a difference between – mentally you are. There's a difference between talking about the head coach and talking about a coordinator. And we'll come – back and have that discussion talk about the defensive side of the ball more with the husky honks next on 950 kg now back to the coors light honks frost brewed coors light keeping seattle chill brought to you by your northwest chevy dealers on your home for the huskies sports radio 950 
KJR. All right, boys and girls, we are back. Husky Honks continues right here on 950 KJR. One more segment with Greg Lewis, Cam Cleland, Dick Baird. Pre-game show, by the way, on Saturday. We'll start at 9 o'clock in the morning before the Arkansas State game. Uh, Cornelius Bennett's son, by the way, plays defensive end for them. So they got a couple of transfers, and he's one of them. Butch Jones is their head coach, the former head coach at Tennessee and Cincinnati. And this is a football team that put up 50 on Memphis State last weekend. So Vegas actually thinks this will be a tougher game than the Montana game was because the line is a lot smaller in this game than that game was. But we'll discuss Arkansas State, uh, Dick and Greg, on Saturday Some morning other day. on the pregame show because we got to talk about this defense. I mean, my God, 350-plus yards, 343 yards of rushing uh, by Michigan. It's 2021, and you just got run over by an offense that threw for 45 yards. What happened to the defense on Saturday? They played good pass defense. <laughs> Wow. Well, what happened to the defense? Okay, it's a combination of things. Uh, uh, I would say that uh, Michigan knows what they're doing. Uh, they they came out and they went toe to toe, and they they ran a lot of good schemes. Uh, I I think our defense got discouraged probably a little bit because they we weren't getting any, we weren't getting anything. But you know, it still goes back to creating turnovers. It still goes back to uh, you know, we didn't have to have a pass rush. Hell, they only threw ten times. Yeah. So fifteen. But, yeah, yeah, fifteen yeah. total. But you know, I mean, I I think going into this game, we are going to have to have some offense because they have a heck of an offense. They've scored 40 and 50 in their first two games. They have two quarterbacks. They throw the ball. I know you don't like to talk about the opponents, but I'm already on to the next game. You know, uh, we will let fixing the problems. Uh, ah, here I we go. To, I leave that there to the coaches. I leave that to the coaches. Yeah, what's the I line about that, fingers and blame and yeah, fixing yeah, well, and issues? Point the finger and, and there's blah, three blah, of them, yeah, there's three yeah. of them <laughs> coming back at you yeah. and it has nothing to yeah. do with religion. Why don't you point the finger at the bar? Uh, tell me where that is, because I could use that right now. But, man, Greg, you get run over by a one-dimensional offense. They knew that UW knew that all they were going to do was continue to run the ball, and they could not do anything to stop it. This team has struggled probably at the uh, point of attack more than any defensive team I've seen in the last yeah. couple of years. Their run fits They've struggled in their run fits. Uh, I think the Montana game, you had one linebacker play well, the other one not. Then this game, you had one linebacker, the other linebacker yeah. play well, the other one not. And the safety play has been a struggle. I think those guys would admit. Um, I, I felt I like when I Alex like Cook Cam, was there. I did like Cam Williams, number yeah, six. Yeah, Cam Williams I came thought, in yeah, at I the end he of played, the game. played real well, and, and they saw some good things out of uh, Alex, Alex Cook, Cook, I thought too. Cook played pretty uh, so, well you know, overall. I would, be not, I would not be surprised to see those guys get more playing. Yeah, time. I think they got to establish you know who those two guys are and stick with the guys who are playing well because we saw some bad angles, some bad tackling uh, on all three levels. Yeah. I think uh, in in the game that we watched on Saturday, we probably should have went you know five men and tough fronts even a little more than we did. I mean, we yeah. did, but maybe we should have done it the whole game because they certainly weren't going to throw the ball. I mean, I'm actually looking forward to an offense coming in here that throws the ball around all over the field because Boy, I think you know, you're never going to get an interception the other team never throws the ball. Right. And I think we got some special guys in the secondary. And I think we can play uh, a little better against the I saw a little bit of pass rush even in the 15 uh, passes they threw this week. So I'm looking for a team that might throw it around a little bit. Cam? All right, so while you guys were doing the Hawk Show, I was listening afterwards. I was going, okay, I'm going to listen to what he has to say regarding what their game plan was. And immediately, 
immediately he made this comment. He said, those corners are ridiculous. Say, we were, we were going into this game. There's no way we were going to throw the football. It wasn't going to happen. And he, he proved it 15 times. He said, we knew how good they were out there. We were going to stick to exactly what we were going to try to do is run the football. And Coach Baird says, you're up you're up 10 nothing and a half. You're well within reach. And the, and the defense feeds off offense. Defense is the emotion of it. And if you're not scoring, those guys aren't pumped up. And yes, you coming out second half, that was a big drive. But striking distance, feeling it, coming off of it. I, I'm not, man, I don't feel that discouraged about the defense. I really don't. What I the, don't. Is that you? What is that? I don't know. Well, you need to make tackles. That's yeah. the whole thing. You you, you, you got to get collectively going to the ball and ripping the ball out. I mean, you know, the, these two games are gone. Let them go, folks. Don't define this team by these two. We got 10 to go, and it's very important that we win this next one to get some confidence. That's where it's at. You got to build on some success, and I think that there's some really good things. There's a lot of kids play, but you know what? We're still a very young team, but that's over now. We've got mm-hmm. two games under our belt. These guys are veterans now. They got to kind of get a win and get themselves yeah. ready and get into league yeah. and see all if right. they can be competitive. Greg, final thoughts. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, all right. I know. Well, we're Shut up, against, up, Dick. You we're know? Up, exactly. Because I might say something positive. We're up against a break. <laughs> I got to pay your giant salary here. Greg, final thoughts. Go ahead. My final thoughts are uh, I hope they're having a hell of a week of practice. I'm hoping that the coaches understand that this is a must win in the sense of these guys getting confidence going into the rest of the season because it really does, your psyche matters a lot. Totally. And if these guys don't win this week or don't have some success, then it could really be an issue. So my final thoughts are just have a great week of practice, come out with some vim, vigor, piss, fire, and go ahead and win this football game on Saturday. Steve, 20 seconds. Go ahead. I like that. A little P and V, man. This is a get right week. That's all it is, Dave. It's a get right week, and it's time to get right. Uh, you're damn right it is, and it better damn well happen this weekend, or this is going to be a bloodbath on this show, and I'm talking about between the four of us. So let's get a break. John Wilner is up next, courtesy of SimplySeattle.com on 950KJ. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.